Hey, can anybody guess what chapter we are on? Three. One. Wow, come on, John, give me more credit than that. Uh, chapter three, and we are on the issue of daily time with God. I think I broke my record on that one, uh, writing that up there. But that's right, the key phrase we've been seeing in our study is this issue with daily. We saw another key word, which this implies consistency, is what we're doing with our study. And the whole thing is around the theme of a relationship. And that's what we saw on the very first page there in this chapter, chapter 3, on page 37. Can I actually spend time with the creator of the universe? Yeah, okay, and what we see is this particular section breaks it down into three chunks of how we can spend time, believe it or not, Christian, uh, with the creator of the universe, and we've seen so far was the issue of prayer, where we left off last time was the issue of Bible study, okay, and what we're going to get into, Lord willing, a bit tonight is the issue of memorization, okay, is what we're going to get to, so let's go ahead and let's cut on over there, we've got a lot of grounds to cover, uh, bottom of page 39, the third section of how we can actually spend time, daily time, with the creator of the universe universe okay now let's take a look at scripture memorization okay here's what the 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 study says to you and i the importance of knowing god's word by memory okay now underline that by memory is clearly seen in jesus temptation by satan in the wilderness okay and that's in matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 now let's go ahead and open your bibles and let's take a look at that passage matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 and let's take a look at uh, the temptation of Jesus. Okay, Matthew, of course, was written by? Matthew. Matthew, that's right. If you find Malachi, what do you do? Ooh, you guys are doing pretty good. Usually that's when people go, <laughs> you know, mumble and hope you get it right. But uh, that's right. Matthew, uh, chapter 4, let's take a look. Hey, I, I got a theory. It kind of goes like this. If Jesus, the Son of God, was tempted, hmm, maybe his followers will be too. Yeah, okay, let's take a look at this. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Here's what, how it happened. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by what 65% of the American church doesn't even believe in. Can you believe that, guys? I mean, it undermines everything in the Scripture. Okay, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he, Jesus, was hungry. So the tempter, notice the phrase given to him, the tempter, okay, came to him and said, if, if you are the Son of God. Now notice the word there, if. That's the exact same thing we've seen before several times. Genesis chapter 3, what was the first thing that Satan did when he came and tempted Eve? He started with doubt. Did God really say? And he says the same thing to Jesus. If you are the son of God, he knows he's the son of God. You read through the gospels when the demons are being cast out and Jesus shows up on the scene. What are they saying? We know who you are, the holy one, the son of God. So he does the same tactic, guys. And I'm telling you, it comes into play when it comes to temptation. If did God, it's doubt. And so he comes to Jesus. He knows full well who he is. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Okay, he's appealing to the physical desires. Okay, we're going to get into that a little bit later. Okay, and then Jesus answered what? It is, it is decided on an exciting meeting we had for the last four months with a special committee that we launched. The decision that we made over hours of, no, it's written. This, can I try, that's what the Bible says. Okay, this is what he came back when he was dealing with temptation. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of man. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, he wasn't done. Notice he's persistent. The devil then said, well, she whiz, that didn't work. I give up. And same thing with you and I, folks. He never, ever stops. Then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If, again, 
casting down. If you're the son of God, he knows he's the son of God. Hey, hey, throw yourself down. Prove it to me. For it is written. Now he's trying to quote scripture back at him. But he always twists, contorts, and perverts it. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands uh, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered them. Okay, this is our uh, thing that we had in our last deacons meeting. We print out this report, and I'm telling, what's he come back again with? It is written, i.e., this is what the Bible says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay, so what he's talking about there. Now again, the devil takes him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he says, and I, all this I will give to you, he said, if, and this is what the devil always wants, personal attention, personal worship, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said again, away from me, Satan, for it is what? Written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now the devil finally left him, but the angels came and attended him. The very angels of God came and attended the very Son of God. Okay, that tells you that sometimes temptation, that wipes you out, doesn't it? Okay, and we'll get all that in just a little bit. So that's what we saw. Uh, Satan tempted Christ three times to compromise what? To compromise the eternal truth of Scripture. That's your next three blanks there. Eternal truth of Scripture is ultimately what it is. And I, can I tell you guys, every single temptation that comes at us is a twisting of the truth. Okay, so he's going to do the exact same thing to you and I. Because of Christ's knowledge, okay, that's the word, next word there. Because of Christ's knowledge of God's word, he realized that all the things that Satan tempted him to do were against God's law. They were against God's law, okay? And so what did he do? He sat there and he sweat bullets. He was sitting there grunting and growling. He button his lip, hoping the devil would go away. No, what ultimately made the devil go away? Jesus quoted back the truth. He quoted the scripture to the tempter to stand against him. Okay? The psalmist also realized the importance of the memorized word. He states in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? Well, here you go. Okay? You don't have to fast and pray 15 years to figure it out. It says it right here. By keeping it according to whatever you want to do. According to your word. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your commandments, your word. Okay, your commandments, your word. Have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. So obviously, what is a key ingredient if you and I as Christians are not only going to know what sin is, to know when we're being tempted to sin, okay, but to live the direct opposite of that, a holy life? We need to know God's word, right? Okay, and notice that Jesus didn't say, excuse me, excuse me, Satan. Okay, um, I'm not quite sure what it is, but I'm going to call Pastor Billy real quick on the cell phone and, and see if he can give me uh, some advice on what to do while I'm being tempted. Excuse me, uh, uh, Satan, I'll be right back. Uh, uh, I don't really know exactly where it is, but let, let me get, I, it was somewhere in here. Let me flip through the Bible 1,400 times until I figure out what, what. Just came right out. Why? Because obviously the Son of God knows the Word of God. Okay, He's God, number one. But from a, our point of view, he, if you will, that's our text, memorize Scripture. It was a part of Him. This is what the psalmist is saying. I've got it inside me so I won't sin against you. I know how to stand firm against the day 
of evil, okay? Because I've treasured it in my heart, okay? We would strive to make scripture memorization a regular part of our quiet time. Why? Because we will be able to stand against temptation. I want to spin off on that and deal with this issue of temptation. Uh, Lord willing, one of these days, maybe we could do an extended study on temptation, very practical uh, from the pulpit one of these days. But I want to give you a little teaser of kind of fits in this context of Scripture memorization. Why is it important to know the Word of God even to the point that we can quote it verbatim when we're being tempted? And we see that example as Jesus. So let's take a look at temptation. Now, the first practical thing, I kind of broke it down for you in a couple different categories tonight. When it deals with temptation, the first thing that I want to know, okay, is where does temptation come from, right? Number one, where does it come from? Okay, well, this is why I want to get this drawing back up here because I'm going to break it down for you. It comes from three areas, okay, scripturally. It's called the world, the flesh, and the devil. Oops, sorry. I always give you a little D. Anyway, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Had an instructor did that. I said, you get that right. Hey, do you guys know why the devil's pictured the way he is? You ever tell you that? Historically, what happened in the early church was during the Dark Ages. During the Dark Ages, the church got very uh, superstitious. Okay, and Satan throughout the scripture has been uh, uh, in the scripture was a beautiful anointed cherubim before he fell. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. Okay, and then also that we see that he can disguise himself, Corinthians, as an angel of light. Okay, so Satan is probably not necessarily pictured like that. Okay, but what the early church did, this is why we have pictures of him with horns and stuff like that. What the early church did was to get back at the devil. Okay, they began to portray him in the portraits of pictures with the horns and ugly looking whatever to kind of, if you will, get back at them. Okay, because it's, you know, because it's all about pride. Me, you know, ah, I will be worshiped, you know. So anyway, so that's your little Jeopardy quiz question. If you get the Daily Double Tom on that, you're going to win. That's right. And uh, with that little nugget of truth. But anyway, I digress. Let's take a look at where does it come from? It comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, why I wanted to break this down, because this is the back half of what we talked about before. If you were here for that study, uh, when we talked about what does it mean to walk and live and keep in step of the Spirit. Remember that? Galatians chapter 5. That was the great news. We don't have to live constantly under the bondage of sin. That's not what the scripture teaches. The Bible says, uh, Romans chapter 6, that we're no longer slaves to sin. Paul tells us the way out. Here's all you got to do, Christian. You're indwelt now. Your spirit has become alive by being born again, born from above. Okay, you have the spirit of God within you. You become his temple. Now, this is what we saw the battle was. Galatians chapter 5, okay, is what's going on here. Is our body, though, we still have to deal with the flesh guy, the old sin nature, that part which rebels, wants to do me, myself, and I, whatever I want to do. Okay, so we still got to deal with the old sin nature. So the Christian is the only one on the planet that has two inputs beating you, if you will, every day. Okay, not a negative sense uh, from the Holy Spirit that's good for us, but from the enemy, that's what's happening. Now, we saw before, how are you, remember the issue with the white dog versus the black dog? And if you want to experience victory in your walk with Jesus Christ, here's what you do. You don't just feed the white dog and keep feeding the black dog. You feed the white dog and then you starve this critter. Okay, tonight we're talking about how this guy basically goes, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Okay, it's called temptation. Okay, but I want to give you this visual because it ties in with that. And we saw when you feed the white dog, that's why it's important to pray because that's what you're doing, if you will. That's why it's important for you to be here tonight to study the Bible. Okay, that's why it's important to have, dare I put now the phrase, godly fellowship, okay, to encourage you. That's why we witness because these are, if you will, meals to build the spirit. This is your way of life. This is when you walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit. This is how, and when you enter that, Paul says, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you're consumed with the white dog, if you will, this guy's starving, and you're going to experience the fruit of that. Remember the fruit of this, living like this? 
Love, joy, peace, patience. Right? Now, what's the fruit of this if you kept feeding the black dog? All kinds of stuff that was mentioned there. All rotten behavior, right? Okay, now this is what we're talking about. This is what we're, temptation is basically this guy down here going, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And there's three ways that he tries to get you to serve him up a meal. The first one is the world. This is where it comes from. It comes from uh, the world. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tells us about this world. Verse 4, Satan, the God, the little g, of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so that they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. Now, what's really interesting, this is cool, is the word there for world, okay, is cosmos. Let's say that. Cosmos. It's not cosmos. That's if you're from Israel. Okay, it's really cosmos. For those of you hooked on correct Greek grammar. Okay, but uh, cosmos, okay, it's where we get the word cosmetics, like makeup. Okay, and that's what it's talking about, makeup. And here's what the, the actual word means. When the Bible mentions the word world, Okay, in most of the context, it means this. The ordered system of human life, listen, that is hostile to God. The ordered system of human life that's hostile to God and uses earthly things to seduce us from God. Do you get it? Now think of everything this world tells you and I. Remember the, the cosmos that we live in before we get to heaven. Everything in this world, I guarantee you, it is appealing to you and I to feed the black dog. Okay, we're going to get to that in a second. But it's an ordered system of life that's hostile to God and is out there doing nothing but to try to seduce you and I away from God. Okay, is what's going on there. Okay, and, and, and this is what he does. He gets you and I to begin to, if you will, use the word lust. Okay, it can be used in a positive sense. Okay, because it's the Greek word epithumia. Let's say that. Epithumia. Uh, you, guys are, you guys are catching on. This is great. Okay, and it literally means... Okay, a violent passion. Okay, passion's okay. But see, that's the issue. He will get us to lust. He will get us to be violently passionate about anything and everything but God. You get it? It's called lust. That's what lust is. Violently passionate. Okay, now it's a good thing if you want to be violently passionate. I've got to be in prayer. That's a good thing. I've got to be here for Wednesday night Bible studies. I'm not going to miss a class. I've got to serve Jesus Christ. I've got to witness to my neighbors. I've got to hang out with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Ah, that's great. Nothing wrong with passion. But this is what this world system, this cosmos, that does every single day. It tries to get us to take that passion and do it to things that are completely detrimental. That will seduce us ultimately away from the things of God. Okay, that's what it is. Now the second thing, so that's just living in this world. That's bad enough. Okay, the second thing we have to deal with is still that old booger of a sin nature. Now, we saw that before in the uh, previous sermon. That's that part of us that was, it, you know, that rebels against God, wants to do what we want to do, not what God wants to do. Okay, that we're all born with thanks to the fall of Adam. Okay, and, and this is why the Bible says you've got to master that thing. Right after the fall of man, Genesis chapter 3, Genesis 4, you have the account of Cain and what do you do with his brother? He killed him, okay? And right after that, listen to this, Genesis 4, just before he did the deed, okay, his uh, uh, sacrifice wasn't pleasing to God because he gave God leftovers. We don't do that, do we? Just enough to get by. You know, he just, he brought some of the stuff of the field, the text says, okay, but Abel bought the best. Okay, the, the first fruits, the young, right? Okay, and so he gave God leftovers. And he says, God says this, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Okay? 
And so as Christian, this is what we got to deal with. Unless you master sin, you pay attention to this guy. He's going, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Okay? And learn to do this and walk in the Spirit. It will master you. Okay? And the enemy is out there catering. It's bad enough living in this world. Think about this world. Think about all the messages this world sends you and I. Are they not hostile to God? Are they not just one technique after another technique after another technique that seduces us away from God? Whether it be materialism, whether it be hedonism, whether it be anything. That's the world we live in. And then see, here's the problem, guys. The only reason why that works from the world is because we still have to deal with that old book of sin nature that wants to do those things. That wants to rebel against God. Okay? So we have to deal with that issue. Now, the third thing that we've got to deal with is the devil, or if you will, uh, demons. Okay? And as we saw again, unfortunately, 65% of the American church doesn't even believe that. Which what we just read in Matthew chapter 4, what does that make believe? Who was Jesus being tempted by? Absolutely crazy, okay? But we, we talked about that, okay? And so this, I like what R.C. Sproul said. He said, Christian, do you realize? Okay, this is a good guy, military term. He says, we are the only ones on the planet that have to fight a battle at the same time on three fronts. You ever think about that? I mean, when you're going against an enemy, you're like, oh, we're going straight at him, or we're coming around the side, or we're going to surprise him. No, it's three fronts all at the same time, every single day, every day you get up. No wonder the Bible uses techniques and uses military language, like being a soldier of Christ, so that we're in a war, that, you know, it's the enemy. Because it is a war. But we have to fight this war, guys. Where does temptation come? It comes from three different fronts all at the same time, the world, the flesh, and the devil, okay? And every one of those, what's the principle? It's all there to seduce you. It's all, you could be going good, and all of a sudden you hear this input from the world, feed me, feed me, feed me. It's trying to get you to feed the black dog. Or just your own natural rebellious nature. No, you know what? I want to do what I want to do. Feed me, feed me, feed me. That's what's going on there. Or demonic warfare, whether you want to believe it or not. It's true. And they'll get you just to get you sidetracked off of, of anything, everything but this. And it's all that feed me, feed me, feed me, okay? This is really breaking this. We, again, we, we broke this down. Tonight, I want to break this side down, okay, the negative side. So that's where temptation uh, comes from. I wanted to break that down for you. Now, I want to deal with you a couple very quickly, some motives as to why uh, Satan wants to even do this. Well, number one is evil, okay? And we talked about this before. There's two different Greek words for evil. One is kakos, which means morally bad, K-A-K-O-S, okay? The other one's paneros, remember that? And that one is just basically this. The devil's so stinking evil, he knows his gig is up. He's no, he, know, he knows the scripture. He knows he's headed for the lake of fire. He knows he's defeated and has been defeated utterly by Jesus Christ on the cross. But he's so stinking evil, he wants to see how many people he can take down with him. Okay, number one, so he's evil. Okay, that's what he does. That's, how, that's who we have to deal with. Okay, but number two, I had an instructor bring this out in Bible college. He says, he hates God. You know that? Satan hates God. Okay? He lost, but he's gone. And that means, since we belong to God, guess who he also hates? Us. Especially mankind, period. Christian, non-Christian, because we're created in the image of God. Okay? And so that means he's really going to be out to get us. Now listen, I had an instructor. You ever think about this? Satan has one way that he can get back to God. You say, well, he can't get back to God. He's got... Well, in, in essence, he's not going to change God. God is immutable. It's a big, giant theological word. Okay, it doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you will... He gets to the heart of God. And here's what he does. It's this whole process. Every time when we feed this black dog, can I call it what it is? When you feed the black dog, you're sinning. Okay, the Bible says when you do that, it grieves the heart of God. 
He said that's how he gets back at God. He gets back at God the Father by God's children. Let me read to you that text, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32. Do not, Paul says, let any unwholesome talk, Christian, come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Listen, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve God. Okay, I don't want to do that. He says, for with whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. Well, well how do I not grieve God? Well, he says, do this. Get rid of this stuff. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all brawling, all slander, and every form of malice. He's talking about amongst Christians. We don't do that stuff, do we? That grieves God. And he says, instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven us. How much has God forgiven you and I? Then therefore, as Paul says, the Bible says, it is written, how much should we forgive one another? You know, guys, when we don't do this, we just, and this is the stinger that he brought out, you just became a tool used by Satan to get at the heart of God and grieve him. And I don't want to do that. Okay? I don't want to be tricked and snookered by the enemy to grieve God after all he's done for me. I want to put a smile on his face. You know what I'm saying? So number one, he's evil. Number two, that's how, if you will, he gets us uh, back at, at God, if you will. He uses us to... The second thing, he wants us dead. It's not only his way that he gets us back at God, he wants us dead. He wants us dead in two ways. Number one, spiritually in our walk with God. Because if you live a life of sin, it, praise God, we can't lose our salvation, but it'll stop you dead in your tracks for the great, wonderful, incredible things that God has called you to do, individually or corporately as a church. We dealt with that on Sunday. Remember that? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Don't just stop at verse 9. Okay? Uh, but he also wants us dead physically, okay? This is what another instructor brought out. He says, don't you realize that when uh, Satan knew what God had said, that the day that you eat of this tree, he, he knew what the warning was, the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. He wasn't just messing up the relationship with God. He wasn't just tweaking and contorting and, ha, 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 I, I affected your walk with God. He knew that the moment they would eat it, it didn't happen on the spot, but sure enough, they died. That's why Jesus said Satan's not only a liar, he's the father of all lies. He is a murderer, and he's been one from the beginning. He knew that by getting Adam and Eve to sin, that they would die. He's a killer. But man, praise God, that's, that's only for Adam and Eve. <laughs> he doesn't have the same motive for us. Really? Why do you think he gets out there? We gave some examples again on a previous sermon. Why do you think he gets people to go out there and get drunk? Hopefully, I'll guarantee I know what his goal is so that you will get in a wreck and die. Or if you don't die, that you'll cause other people to die. He's a murderer and he's been one from the beginning. Uh, go out there and commit immorality so you get some sort of disease. So hopefully you will die. Okay, it's ultimately his goal. Hey, uh, go out there and, and, and uh, 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 have a child out of wedlock or something and, and then don't deal with that responsibility and don't be responsibility and bring that child to term. Uh, go out there and now you're killing a child and on and on it goes that's the evil one that's why he's called the evil one but you need to understand who we're dealing with this is not a game ultimately guys in a multitude of ways if you begin to break it down he doesn't just want to mess you up spiritually if he can he'll want to take you out because he's a murderer okay so that's where temptation comes from now one of my all-time favorite ones analogies is from paul harvey 
Okay? And this is what the devil does to you and I. I love this analogy when it comes to temptation. It's, it's a true story. Apparently, this is how an Eskimo kills a wolf. Okay? Check this out. He, uh, here's what they do. First of all, the Eskimo uh, coats his knife blade with blood, and then he lets it freeze. And then he adds another coat of blood, okay, lets it freeze, and then another coat of blood, lets it freeze until it gets like really thick, like a big old blood knife popsicle looking thing, okay? And as each coat freezes, he adds another smear of blood. He goes on and on and on until it's just a big old blob of blood underneath, hidden underneath this uh, knife blade, okay? And so he buries the knife blade up in the frozen tundra, okay? Well, then he hightails it out there, and sure enough, the wolf catches the scent of the fresh blood, and he begins to lick it, right? Okay, true story. And he licks it more and more, more and more, feverishly, okay, and he keeps on going until literally the, the blade is bare. There's no more blood on it. But he keeps licking it harder and harder because of the cold. He never notices the pain of the, uh, his tongue on the own blade. And so his craving for the taste of blood is so great, he doesn't realize now at this point, the thirst of the blood being satisfied is his own blood. And the Eskimo knows, and this is what happens, he licks that blade until he literally bleeds to death. That's what the enemy does with you and I. Every day. You need to understand this motive. That's why I said before, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we Christians make is we treat the Christian life here on earth like it's some sort of cakewalk. And we just arrive at death safely. This is a battleground. And to whom we have to deal with is if it's the world, he's trying to violently, this world system, everything about it, guys, is trying to get us to violently uh, uh, seduce us from God. Then we got to deal with this natural rebellion part of us. And then we got this enemy out here whose ultimate goal, if he could, is to kill us. And what they do is day after day, he throws a, a, another temptation here and another one here and mm, he lick it up and lick it up. And it just, we get in this vicious cycle until hopefully he'll either knock us dead spiritually in our walk with God or number two, takes you out. Okay? Number two, I want to know, me personally, not just where does it come from, well, how does it enter into us? I mean, how does that thing work? Okay? Well, James chapter 1 says that it comes from the mind. It starts in the mind. Remember the soul? That's us. That's our personality. Okay? This is our mind. Okay? The way that it enters our mind, if I can break it down for you, scripturally, is in two inputs. Temptation comes through the eyes and it comes in through the ears. Gee whiz. If I was the enemy, I would get control of what people put in their eyes and their ears. I could have fun with them. Anybody know any media that could control people's eyes and ears? Rhymes with television and music. Hey, that's right, Mary. Television and music. You're a prophet of God. That's right. I really believe in these last days, folks, that he is using the media against us to get us to lick ourselves to death, to feed this black dog, and we wonder why there's not much victory in our walk with Jesus Christ. Jesus says this when it comes to the eyes. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 through 23. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. So, knowing that, uh, if your eye is clear, your whole body is going to be full of light. You let good stuff in, hey, good stuff comes out. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And this is what we talked about before, guys. I'm not, against, uh, I'm not into legalism. I think it's just common sense. It's, it's, it's a basic principle rule. Hey, junk in equals junk out. Now listen, the enemy knows how we're made, folks. He knows what works, okay? This is the process of temptation. It starts in the mind. Okay, the way it gets into the mind, first of all, is through the eyes or the ears. We'll get to that in a second, okay? Now, once it goes through your mind, 
and it floats around there. La, 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 la. Because remember, thinking about temptation is not sin. It's when you go to step two with your will, which is your decisions. You make a decision based upon that thought that's in your mind that came from your eyes or your ears, right? And then you act on it, and then oftentimes your emotions are your feelings, and you feel right and you feel horrible if in the case it's sin that you chose to do. I tell people all the time, I says, man, hey, you know, we talked about this before. You want to, you, you know, oh, Pastor Billy, I'm just dealing with so much temptation. It's just, uh, and you've heard me say this before. I'll say it again. Hey, do you want to get rid of, uh, at least, I'm conservative, I think, uh, 80% of your temptation problems? Shut the TV off. Right? Because as we all know, all the programs on there today encourage us to feed the white dog. I mean, I turn on that program, they're like, hey, let's have a class on prayer. And, and today's class is on interceding for the lost and the importance of that. I flip the channel, the next channel says, hey, uh, hey, thank you for uh, tuning in uh, to Sunrise Baptist Church. Now, that actually can happen here in Vegas because we're doing that. But anyway, so, but uh, most of the time that isn't there uh, by and large. Okay, and, and say, like, yes, let's talk about the importance of godly fellowship. And this is on channel eight right after the news, right, uh, Sonia? To, no, I haven't found that channel either. And, and it's like, yes, the importance of witnessing. Let's now take a class. I mean, every, every I turn on TV, it's, it's just it's so encouraging, Ron, to feed the white dog. I feel so alive. It's the cosmos that's hostile to God. Enemy knows exactly what he's doing, guys. Okay? And we're ingesting the stuff that he says, feed the black dog, feed the black dog. And we wonder why we're not walking in victory. Okay? Back up the train. Where did it all start? Because at one point, you left your prayer time with God. Things were going great. Where did you get off track? I'll guarantee you, you weren't paying attention to what you put in your mind via your eyes and your ears. Common sense is what's going on. So that's where it enters in. Now, how does it appeal to us? That's the next thing that I want to know. Okay. And uh, how does it appeal? Where does it come from? Uh, how does it work? Okay. And how does it even work on us, i.e. appeal to us? Well, that's what we talked before was the threefold response. It's the same thing he did in Jesus' temptation, Matthew 4. It's the same thing that he did in Genesis chapter 3. Okay. He, does, he gets us to lust. Epithumia. Violently passionate. Okay. That's great. I, I, I hope every one of us are violently passionate about the white dog stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Unfortunately, the re- his inroads, all the things that are motivated in three different things. And it's the lust of the flesh, okay, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And this is what we see. Way, it, I always had an instructor. A, a demon is from the Greek word demonion, and it literally, the harsh rendering in the Greek means intelligent ones. These guys, the demons, are super duper intelligent, much more than you, uh, I'm sure IQs off the chart. Okay, plus they got 6,000 years of watching mankind. They know what makes us work. They know what tweaks us, how it falls. They know us very well, okay? But I had an instructor says, you know, but he doesn't have to be that smart. He just knows what works on us. And he uses the same thing and he just repackages it for each generation, okay? And it always seems to fall in one of these things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, or the pride of life. Genesis chapter 3, listen to what he did with Eve. It's the same tactic. When uh, the woman saw... That the fruit was good for food. Ah, that's my flesh. Physical needs, right? Okay, and pleasing to the eye. Wow. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. Pride of life, right? Uh, she, she fell for it. That's how it appealed to her. That's how he came at her. Okay, she took some and ate it, and then she gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And that's, again, the account of the first man being eaten out of 
house and home by the first woman, but we won't go there. Once again, that's right, First John chapter 2, John breaks it up. That's Old Testament. New Testament, John reiterates the same thing. First John chapter 2, 16, For the world, the cosmos, that which is hostile to God, offers only the lust, the violent passion. For what? These three things. Uh, the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, the pride in our possessions. Listen, these are not from the Father, they're from this evil cosmos, this evil world. It's the same tactic. He doesn't have to figure out 55,322 ways how I can appeal to mankind. It's the same three things. Okay? So dare I say, if you and I are being tempted to appease physical pleasure, the things we see, gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta... Or something that will build us up in pride, you better watch out. That's exactly what it is. It's a temptation one way. Now, listen to this. You might think, well, okay, yeah, that's, that's how it works, and that's what happens, and yeah, I'll give in to it. You need to understand, when we continually to listen and obey the instructions of this evil, hostile world, or the internal flesh nature that's rebellious to God, or even the demonic warfare, listen to what James says. Chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. He says, you adulterous people. Wow. Now notice the term there. That's a stinger, but it's a relationship term, isn't it? We're supposed to be married to Jesus Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And then we have the audacity to go commit adultery? That's what he says. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with this world, this cosmos, listen, is hatred towards God. Do you see again how he gets us to become a tool to grieve the heart of God? And he says this, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And he says, don't you think that Scripture says without reason that the Spirit that He caused to live in us envies intensely? Can I tell you what that word is? Envies intensely? It's epitheo, which is very close to epithumia, which literally means the same thing, to desire passionately. That's what he's saying. The Spirit every day is getting you to input, to desire passionately. Every day when you get up, unless... We've been sinning so much that we can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit anymore. But every day, don't you hear Him, so to speak? I'm not necessarily talking an audible voice, but He's prompting you. Spend time in the Word. Pray to God. Go witness to your neighbor. Today's the day you need to speak up at your workplace. He, 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 he's doing that. He's desiring His passionately. Feed the white dog. Feed the white dog. But if all we do is listen to this, he says, you're acting like an enemy of God. You're committing adultery spiritually. Wow, that's a stinger, isn't it? Now that means, it sounds to me like, man, we're in a struggle. We're in a war. This is serious stuff being a Christian. Uh, yeah. And again, I think that that's why he gets us is because he gets us to put our guard down. We're in the midst of a battlefield, but we're sitting there with stringers and balloons and noisemakers <laughs> through combat. No wonder we're getting shot at. We're the first ones to be taken down. We don't have our proper mindset. Now, the fourth thing is when. When does the enemy attack us, right? That's what we see. Now, the first time I think is when we're most vulnerable, okay? Because the enemy's not stupid, right? If you're going to try to take somebody down, you're going to look for, you know, the easiest way, the path of least resistance, right? He's an opportunist, and that's what he does. He doesn't necessarily come at you with your strong point. Well, that Christian Donna, boy, she'll never uh, peel away from prayer. That's one thing. No, he'll just find whatever, where's the weak spot? And he'll hit you 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 until you crack. That's what he does. 
And so he tries to get you into a vulnerable uh, position uh, is the first thing that he tries to do. Now, the first time that we're most vulnerable uh, is when we're alone. Okay? Have you noticed that? You know, how many times have you noticed that, like, we'll sit there and, and uh, things are going great and we say, ah, oh, I got private time. And if you're not careful, what's all of a sudden starting coming in like a flood? Okay, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tactic. It's called divide and conquer. He's eating nature. You get the one out of the herd, get him away from the herd, what happens? <laughs> Pounce on him. Get you alone. If you're not careful, Christian, he'll come and get you. He'll slam you and he'll get you until you crack. Because think about it. It's logical. Nobody's there to talk you out of it. Nobody's there to hold you accountable. You're not in church service where you're supposed to be cool. Right? You're all alone. I'm not saying don't have some rest. Don't have some alone time. But you better be careful. He'll want to get you separated uh, from the herd. The second time we're most vulnerable is right before spiritual success. Okay? Uh, Many times in the past when I train uh, interns, men for the ministry, I'd tell them, I'd I'd ask them to do something like, hey, uh, okay, I want you this week, you're going to take the pulpit for me. You're going to start learning how to preach. Not a Sunday school class. You're going to get up there in front of everybody and you're going to preach. And I said, and my next thing after I say that, okay, it's going to be this Sunday or whatever Sunday it was, we'd schedule it. I says, now, can I give you a tip? You better be tight in your walk with Jesus because he's going to come after you. Because you're about to get up there in front of the people of God and give a word of God from the word of God. And he's going to want to destroy it. Nine times out of ten, Pastor, really, how'd you know? That was the worst week of my life. I'll never want to do that again. I says, hey, try doing it every week. <laughs> right? But that was the preparation process. He's always right before the Spirit. In fact, I've learned, it's so many times, just wrote, okay, that what I've learned, that when things spiritually begin to heat up the most, I actually have learned over the years, I get excited. Seriously. Because that tells me something cool is about ready to happen. And somebody doesn't want it to happen. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. He's the big fat loser. Oh, yeah. What's going to happen, God? You know what I'm saying? And so that's that. Now, the, the backhand of that, he'll, he'll get you right after a spiritual success. This is what we see with Peter. Okay, if you've ever grabbed the context. Remember his great statement there? Uh, in the, you, he got the right answer on the test. Who, who do you say that I am? You are the, Holy, the Son of God. Yeah, Peter got the right answer. Nobody did. Yeah. Have, you, have you kept reading just a few more verses down? What did Peter do? Jesus starts telling him he has to go to the cross. He's got to die. <gasps> Lord, no, no. And what Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. You ever got the timing of that? He just had this great, super high moment. You know, like you go on those retreats. And you feel great and spiritual and alive. And, uh, by Tuesday morning, what's happening? <laughs> right. Okay. And so he'll not only, he's an opportunist, guys. He'll not only get you going up, he'll get you going down. Okay, usually what I've learned is when you're going down, when you're having a spiritual high, if you will, usually that's when we do what we shouldn't do. We get kind of, it's exciting, it's cool. You know, maybe God used you to do something, lead somebody to Christ or whatever. What happens, we get this tendency to kind of put our guard down. Always stay alert. Because you're, oh, listen to this, I've got to get to this, that passage. Uh, the Bible says, uh, you know the passage, oh, here it is. First uh, Peter 5, 8, listen to this. Okay, I pulled out the Greek. Uh, it says, be careful, watch out for the attacks from the devil, uh, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. Listen, here's what the Greek actually says. Be of sober mind. There's that mind thing, because that's where it starts. Be watchful. Your adversary, who's a slanderer, namely the devil, is a lying as a lion roaring in fierce hunger listen is constantly walking about 
always seeking somebody to be devouring. He never stops. He's always out there. He never stops. Okay. Now, the next thing is, is when you're always disobedient. Not just when you're most vulnerable, but you're always disobedient. Okay. He just creates a vicious cycle. You ever been there? You ever got to call them Christian ruts? You're going down the path with Jesus and all of a sudden you find yourself in a rut, right? And then you're in that rut. Could be a week, could be a year or more. And you get in this vicious cycle of sin. It just seems like, man, am I ever going to break out of this? And then it feels like God's a million miles away. You ever been there? Okay, because your resistance down. You're in this vicious cycle. So he tries to get you when you're a disobedient, okay? Now, that's why it's important to be obedient because that's what begins to break the cycle, okay, and get out of the ditch. Okay, the next one is when you're least resistant is when you're wiped out, okay? Have you ever been there? It could be sick. You could be physically drained, running a crazy schedule. It could be all those, okay? And typically, have you noticed that, man, he'll even hammer you then. You're sick as a dog with the flu, and you finally have got the revelation why they called it the flu. Because if you spell that word, F-L-U, backwards, that's exactly how you feel. Oof! Right? And it just goes on and on, and you're feeling horrible, and then here comes temptation. And you don't feel like battling. You feel horrible. You feel wiped out. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm sick. Ah. That's how stinking evil he is. So be careful that you don't get wiped out. Jesus took time uh, for rest. The apostles returned uh, to Jesus from their ministry, Mark chapter 6, their ministry tour, and told him all they had done and what they had taught. Then Jesus said, let's get away from the crowds and for a while and rest. There are so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat, so they left by boat for a quieter spot. If you're not careful, Christian, and you get yourself in a wiped out position, you might be wide open for temptation. Now, flip it around. The next time is when you're bored. He'll either get you so stinking busy that you get wiped out and your resistance are down, or now you've got way too much stinking time in your hand. How many learned that just because you take vacation, you don't take a vacation in your walk with Jesus Christ? I had to learn that in my first senior pastorate in Northern California, the hard way. Man, you're running crazy. I can't wait. Whew, I'm looking time for two days later. Oh, God, I'm a rat. You know, it's like, you know what? Your daily walk with God isn't daily walk with God until vacation. It's daily, which includes that. You better stay tight because, again, once you get out on your own, la, 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 you get too much time on your hands, your mind starts going, hey, how can I appease myself? And you're asking for trouble. Okay, is what's going on. Now, again, he attacks us whenever he can. He's an opportunist. He never stops. Now, very quickly, hopefully, famous last words, how do we win? How do we do it? Well, we'll like this one this time of year. You develop a good offense and a good defense. Okay, two men, yeah, whatever. That's what you do. Now, let's take a look at the offense very quickly is what we do. A couple things that you could do uh, is you, first of all, stay sharp, Okay. Uh, Mark 26, verse 40 through 41, if you want to check that out. He returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you stay awake and watch with me one hour? Keep alert and pray. Well, why? Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing, the white dog, the flesh is weak. So pay attention to this whole process. Every day, don't be getting your guard down. That's why the Bible says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be watchful, be alert. Uh, look around because he never stops. And he's going to come in one of these three ways. It's going to be from this wicked world system. He's going to get your flesh going that wants to rebel against God anyway. Or he's going to come at you with spiritual attack or all three at the same time. So you might want to be on the lookout. Okay? That's, so you need to stay sharp. Number two, stay away. 
I'll never forget when I read this. It was like, man, what in the world was he doing? It's like self-inflicted torture. His name is Lot. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. And he, he rescued righteous Lot. Remember, he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was greatly worn out and distressed by the wanton ways of the ungodly and the lawless. For that just man living there among them tortured, listen to the word used there, tortured his righteous soul, his mind, his will, his emotions every day with what he listened, with what he saw and what he heard in that wicked community, their unlawful and wicked deeds. Okay, so that's the exact same process, right? He lived in a wicked society just like today. And his righteous soul, he was, this righteous man was tortured by what he saw and what he heard. Hey man, praise God that uh, it's bad enough we've got to drive around with billboards and all kinds of stuff that's yuck. Okay, but man, when we get home, we have free time. We don't keep that stuff coming through our eyes and ears. And yeah, that's what we talked about earlier, okay. But here's the thing, I thought about a lot that dawned on me one day. Um, why didn't he move? I don't know, maybe that's one of those questions you ask when you get to heaven. I really don't think we'll have questions in heaven when we're so full of God's bliss. It's like, who cares? We're so consumed with God. It's not about myself and I have to have my questions answered. No, I don't think so. Okay, but have you ever wondered, why didn't he leave? This is the same thing. Pastor, really, so much temptation. It's like, I was watching this show and it's like, it's like, were you sitting there and you're watching this show and granted maybe you weren't planning on it and they started showing something sinful? Did you literally sit there, excuse me, in that couch and go, oh, I can't turn it off. I'm stuck at this. I'm being tortured. Shut it off. Stay away. You, you do have the power of the thumb. And that's with a lot. It's like you're like a glutton for punishment, dude. Why don't you move? Stay away from it. Okay? Number three, stop delaying. Second Timothy chapter two says this. Flee. Notice it didn't say flirt. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Flee, run, get out of there. The moment that, all, hey, this is this world tempting me away from God. Hey, this is my own goofball old man sin nature. I'm not listening to him. Hey, this is demonic warfare. Uh, I'm fleeing. And I'm pursuing. That's what he says. Okay? And pursue faith, love, and peace along with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. Okay? I always had an instructor who says this, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to prove to God that I don't have a problem with alcohol. I've never had a drop of liquor in this house for 5,329 years. And what I'm going to do to demonstrate my spirituality is I'm going to bring in a, Jack, uh, uh, a fifth of Jack Daniels in this house. And I'm going to put it in the cupboard just to prove I don't have a problem. Really? Okay. Week goes by. Well, that's not good enough. You know what I need to do? I can't see it in the cupboard. So I need to put it on the kitchen counter. So every day when I come home, I'm going to walk by that bottle and say, not a problem. No sorry. You know, that ain't working. John, you know what exactly what it is. That ain't working. Come on, I'm not going to walk by there. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the cap off so I can smell the fumes. So then when I walk by, I can prove to God how spiritual I am. And I'll never have a problem. You know, that ain't working. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pour some in the cap. I'm going to pour some in the cap. That's what I'm going to do. And put it under my nose every day when I walk by. That's what I'm going to do. I'm proving to God I'm spiritual. I ain't worried. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to take my finger, and when I come home the next day, I'm going to dip it in that and put it on my tongue just to prove. <laughs> why, God? Why? Why, am I, why did I go back? Why am I backsliding? You didn't flee. Why in the world did you bring it in the house in the first place? Which brings to the next point, you need to spring clean. 
Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses let us uh, uh, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Get rid of it. Clean your house. What is inside your house that's tempting you away from Jesus Christ? Take it to the dumpster. Get rid of it. My wife and I have done that a couple times uh, early on in our Christian walk with Jesus. We've gone through, it's like, why do we have all this stuff? We literally, we made trips with boxes with like videos. It's like, what are we doing with these movies in our house? Not pornographic, but still, it was just like stuff that bloody killing, what? I kid you not, with tears, we're there over the trash can dumping it. Hundreds of dollars worth of material. I didn't want to, I was ashamed. We did that twice. You'd think I'd learned the first lesson. But it's that easy to start flirting with it and he comes back in the house. Next thing you know, this guy starts getting stronger. The black dog. And then I began to ask God for forgiveness. Not just for that. God, we were, we wasted your money on things that grieve your heart. Would you please forgive us? Twice. Over the dumpster. We had to do that too. So that's your good offense very quickly. You got your good defense. You need to stand firm. Okay, that's that mentality. You know what? I'm just looking around, being alert. I'm not going to give in. Absolutely not. You need to speak in prayer. Have you ever thought about this? Matthew chapter 6, you know, the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into what? You ever thought this astounded me one day? When in the middle of being tempted, uh, Pray. You ever thought about talking to God instead of going, oh, no, I hope I make it through this. Oh, how about, oh, God, would you please? (laughs) Lead us not, you know what I'm saying? And this is what we saw an example here in our text. Soak up scripture. Stand firm, speak in prayer, soak up scripture. Why? Because when the scripture's inside of you, as we saw with the example of Jesus, folks, that's what keeps the enemy at bay. You know when you're being lied to. You know when this is not the voice of God. You know this is from the world. You know this is your own flesh speaking. You know this is demonic warfare. You know between what is right and what is wrong. And you speak it back at the enemy who must cower and flee and obey at the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's what we need to do for a good defense. Hey, we're going to close. As stated before, the value of a daily quiet time cannot be overemphasized. I think I can be so bold to say a consistent life of holiness and purity cannot be accomplished without a daily time with God. You cannot stand in these days against the power of evil unless you are feeding, feeding, that's your blank there, feeding, that's the white dog, your soul and your mind is your next blank there, and heart with the book. As Jesus gave us the example, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The positive effects in our time of prayer, personal Bible study, and scripture memorization will be very evident in our spiritual maturing process. Our relationships with our spouse will be utterly tortured. Our children will turn out horrible. Uh, Our father, our mother, our friends, and who knows, uh, has anybody found ECT? I'm still looking up and down the walls uh, of Walmart, uh, Ruth, and I haven't found ECT. Yeah, whatever, i got your attention now. No, it, it, it's beneficial. When we live like this and stay away from that, it's all good for us. Our relationships with our spouse, our children, our father, our friends, and the act, if we can find him, will be affected positively as we are conformed to the character of Christ. Our assurance will grow, which will resort in more peace and joy, peace that passes all understanding. And if Jesus found a need for this, 
how much more you and I. Daily time with God breaks down to feeding this guy on a regular basis. Put that jet fuel in your walk with Jesus Christ. Don't just do that. But as we saw tonight, deal with this guy. And man, we're doing great things for Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy 
through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly, and please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.